This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world. We also know that being in community with one another on this journey will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world. We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encajunto, or togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin. And this is Reverend Anna Galladay. And we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. So here we are again, back at the American Academy of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature with a very exciting guest, uh, a first for the Activist Theology Project. So I'm thinking that not only are our brains going to be broken, but our listeners' brains (laughs) are going to be broken. It is possible. It is possible. I've had the the deep privilege to, to be with this human a couple of times this weekend already, and every time I walk away feeling like I... Um, should feel like I know most of what is being talked about. And right. I still am like, I think I need to go Google that. Well, <laughs> and as, as soon as this guest arrived at the institution, uh, one of the first emails I got from Ted after your arrival is that I need to be in conversation with this yeah. human. Yeah. And so finally, we're getting that chance yeah. to... Uh, disrupt some shit, fuck some shit up. Really excited. So I'm super excited. Why don't you tell folks who we have at the table with us today? So we are in conversation today with Philip Butler. Um, Philip is at ILIF, School of Theology, and um, is the Assistant Professor of Theology and Black Post-Human Artificial Intelligence Systems, um, which... uh, really means um he's super fucking smart Mm -hmm. and i'm intrigued so much by your work um why don't you tell our folks a little bit more about who you are um how you found yourself in denver um and what kind of work you're doing in the world no it's a a great question i'm glad thanks for for having me and uh (laughs) you all set the expectations pretty high so let's see how this goes it's all right i i I have a feeling i have a feeling you'll meet them all right (laughs) or surpass them (laughs) very kind (laughs) so uh yeah i I'm, 
I'm originally from the uh, the DMV. For those who don't know, grew up around DC. Uh, so when you say Maryland, they normally say Baltimore, and that's not where I'm from. Mm-hmm. It's, a t- it's, a, it's a different culture. <laughs> About yes. 45 minute drive, but things are different. Uh, but I which I, direction? Uh, it's so so DC is uh, about, no, which direction from Baltimore? Oh, it's uh, it's west of Baltimore. Okay, so I was born and raised in Winchester, Virginia. Okay, and so and went to Shepherd College. Okay, so like I like the, that's those are my those are my roots too. Yeah, so yeah, I get yeah. it. When you say DMV, I'm like, mm-hmm, I know, I know. That's fair. I know. I actually played uh, high school ball with a couple guys and ended up at Shepherd. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I uh, so I am. Uh, I do a few things, right? So one of my, I guess, scholastically, right, right now, I'm kind of hanging out in the space where I'm carving out what it means to to, to think about Black posthumanism. Um, and so <laughs> I was listening to you guys talk about humans, and I was like, wait a minute, I don't know if I if I go by this uh, by this declension. Uh, mainly because I, I, I question the human uh, and it's not only its veracity, but it's used in a social political framing, right? For me, humans are this kind of like a universal construct that is has been kind of filtered through this kind of mainly white and male right. framing. Mm, right. And so for me, uh, I, I differentiate that by people and, I, and people, you know, you can say uh, in the dictionary, a uh, person is the derivative, uh, but but I, I, I'm, I question that too, right? But I also think about this the various ways that like uh, black and indigenous folks have always understood themselves in terms of people and personhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, I define people as like a local and complex being, right? And so the people come from somewhere, they have a history, right? They're tied to a specific sociality. And land. Uh, exactly. Right. And land and all that stuff, right? So they're, they're part of specific ecologies, right? And, you know, folks, you know, ask you where you're from. They also ask you, like, where are your people from? Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of thinking about things like that as well. Um, and so uh, the work that I'm also doing, right, uh, within this kind of Black post English framework, which is, which is uh, also pretty anti-human in many ways, uh, is also looking at kind of uh, what, the various kind of not only applications of artificial intelligence, but also thinking about ways that we can uh, interrupt, right, erupt, and kind of uh, uh, dissolve the various ways that historical notions of what it means to be a part of a technologically embedded system might do for folks, especially black folks in particular, as we are building frameworks that not only see black folks uh, better, specifically black women, uh, but also allow people to self-identify, right? If you are a part of a, a data mill or your, your information is somewhere in that space, uh, often you're having those those pictures of yourself labeled by somebody else. And as a result, you know, you're at the whim of somebody else's right. discretion. And so what does it mean then for us to be thinking about how we understand ourselves and then teaching machines to see us how we see ourselves and then teach people to see us how we see ourselves. Um, and so uh, in addition to that, we're also building, we're building uh, natural language processing. So you think about NLP for, I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if the listeners are, are familiar with, with these with these uh, concepts, but NLP is basically like what, it, what GPT is or for another way of thinking about that is like if you have a machine that can generate text or a machine that can summarize text or a machine that can tell you whether or not somebody says something cool or, or, or hurtful to you, uh, right? This is kind of what we're talking about, but we're building this specifically on black literature from over the last hundred years or so in order to make black uh, language vernacular, which is somehow becoming more popular right. these days, but also making that as the foundational element of the way that uh, machines will be able to uh, relate to people and understand uh, black language and, you know, and culture much differently. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I think the last thing I'll, I'll say, right, I'm, I've built this uh, black conversational AI with mental health capacities. It's called Seeker. Uh, you can download it on both iOS and Android platforms. And basically it takes people through uh, introspective process. And so basically the idea of Seeker uh, is a self-exploration engine. And so it helps people uh, self-attenuate their emotions, but also engage in uh, self-discovery in ways that uh, is intensely non-judgmental, is intensely self-compassionate, uh, and is meant to right help facilitate this uh, self-awareness so that people, uh, as they encounter certain situations and they de and they uh, de they they decompress their emotions around that when they see similar situations, they're able to take that wisdom uh, and then mm. kind of move differently, uh, you know, kind of throughout the world. Cool. So maybe our listeners would like to check out Seeker. Yeah. I know that I'm thinking that our listeners uh, probably want a lot of that unpacked and, <laughs> possibly and, and and maybe we can get to that yeah. um i know that you've written a couple books yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to tell folks what you've written and maybe where to find them sure sure uh so my first um, my my first single author book is uh, black transhuman liberation theology um uh, it's a uh, spiritual line of technology it basically looks at uh raises the question about uh again kind of this humanness and blackness uh but also thinking about the ways that black folks can utilize technology to augment black spiritualities but also use technology as, as part of uh you know the, the larger arsenal of you know kind of creating liberating realities mm-hmm. and then the the second one is critical black futures that's more of an anthology uh, we have we've had a just kind of wide variety of amazing authors uh kind of just just speculate uh and engage in, in thinking what it means for black folks to be in the future but also be in position of power and thriving and just and, and just enjoying themselves as well mm-hmm. yeah so we're going to ask a question um, of you, but before we do that, I think it's important that we name some of the um, facts and systems that have perpetuated kind of why you're doing this work in the first place. Sure. Um, and so, you know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about the mm-hmm. constructs of whiteness, the constructs of um, systems of power that historically um, either make other folks invisible or um, try to recreate those folks in an image of whiteness and an image of uh, a Euro-Christian um, perspective that that isn't in any way related to who those humans are in sure. the first place. Yeah. Um, and we also talk a lot about how uh, we are only as good as the the ways that we self um, describe and the ways that we self identify, not the ways that, uh, not the constructs that others are going to place on us. And so before we kind of dive into this question that we have for you, um, can you let our listeners know a little bit about why it's important? I mean, why it even matters that data and AI and the ability to see and understand humans that aren't, um, white and that don't identify um, within the with within that realm, why it's important that the work that you're doing is even something that we're talking about. I mean, I feel like people could could connect those dots, but I feel like it's also could be really easy for you to just kind of summarize it in a real kind of easy understanding for us. Sure. So I'll just take one step back. Right. Like, so I when I went to go do my PhD work, I initially was gonna do this just on neuroscience and spirituality. Mm. Um, but my coursework was bookend by Trayvon uh, Martin and Sandra Bland, and then all of the death in between. Um, and not alone, you know, what's been happening, you know, since, you know, 2016 and beyond. And, and so uh, I really had to reimagine what my work was gonna be about and who I was gonna be kind of speaking for and, and thinking about the work that I was doing for the folks that claimed me and that I claimed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, 
and so this is where like the technology piece came in and then and then the you know the emphasis on blackness right and so um thinking about this and then thinking about technology right technology is right we're, we're using these microphones right it's going to be going right. off these platforms right and so i think one of the, the beautiful things about technology is the speed at which it allows people to communicate but also the speed at which things tasks can be automated and done uh but i but when we talk about like not being able to see black women so like for instance uh i think one of the one of the one of the, uh, I guess, what do you want to say worse or just kind of just surprising things, but not surprising is right. Like black women are the least visible by computers. Right. And so what does it mean? And, and yeah, black women are the ones who are being, we talked about this the other day. Everybody is hiring a black woman to run their equity and diversity. Right. And so now we don't have black women scholarship. Right. So, so black women are compromised in many ways. Right, they're invisible, and then, and then, compromised by the institution. Ah, uh, for sure, and, and black, uh, and, and the visible, and the visualization of black women is, is something that continues, you know, to this day. And so, like, um, I, I, in in uh, a piece I wrote, maybe I think a couple a year or two ago uh, on uh, specters and monsters, we talk about this this kind of a specterizing of black women, right, where their bodies are very present, uh, but they somehow become echoes, right, in our in, right. in the realities mm -hmm. of whiteness. And so, uh, it, when we when we're thinking about this, we're also thinking about like the various ways that uh, technology allows for certain individuals uh, to create an ecosystem that locks itself in, right? We talk about like cashless societies, right? Or or frictionless technology and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But if you're not, to, if you can't be seen by the technology, um, if the technology is not made for you, right? Then you are you are somehow can, you are you are locked out of this particular ecosystem, and your way of life is slowed down because everybody else is sped up. Even if your life stayed the same, the fact that other people have access to move at at, at speeds um, that are increasing, you know, kind of by the second suggests that you're being left somewhere right. uh, outside of this particular framing and so uh, if we're talking about if, if you know white supremacy and uh, you know this kind of uh, the state sanctioned violence that continues to persist whether it be by death or debilitation um, it 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 allows for this to persist in ways that continues to press forward. And, and so like this kind of like this, this idea of progress at all costs, right? And so everybody uh, is part of this particular like mill that is being ground into the into the bits of this uh, kind of progress mill. But at the same time, if you're not the one churning or even a part of like, you know, some of the more outcomes, you you become the the fodder, right? For that, which is, uh, you know, producing that. And so uh, we, we do this mainly because of the various ways that the world is kind of Reening in a particular tra uh, trajectory, um, and so what does it mean then to, to not not only ask the world to stop and consider these things, uh, but also to build technologies alongside them that not only parallel them, but potentially can uh, project beyond what is currently out there, given the 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 ways that folks are barreling down into specific types of technological advancements and not thinking about the, the more broader and expansive ways that we can uh, move uh, that will allow for other folks not only to participate, but just to have a greater quality of life overall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I was working on my PhD, I became very compelled by concepts of becoming mm -hmm. and, and particularly the materiality of becoming. And I, decided to use uh, a socio-analytic framework of the body, mm -hmm. but I don't reduce the body to the human body, but like the building is a body, the table is a body, right. uh, the microphone is a body, and that there are uh, elements of becoming and materiality inherent in everybody, sure. right? 
And this took me into posthumanism and transhumanism. Mm. And so, obviously, you know, you had to like, uh, I couldn't write a thousand pages because they weren't going to read that, right? And so I stopped at about 300. Okay. Um, and, and, and I had to cut it off at some point, right? But posthumanism and transhumanism is something that has always been very interesting to me, partially because uh, it is casting a future or uh, the potential of a future. Mm. And so the, the question that we have for you today is, when we say future, what do we mean? I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but but seriously. When you say future, right, right, what do you mean? No, I mean, no. that's it. I mean, our art, I mean, we we are there's there there are whole bodies of work on futures literacy happening sure. in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. And there are people who are um, making significant amount of significant amounts of money, mm-hmm. um, training up mostly white people, most, mostly white people, training up, studying, helping organizations dive into a literacy around futures mm-hmm. that can, you know, inform the the decision making process for organizations for, um, you know. Faith institutions. Um, what do you mean when you say futures, and and how do you see that the work you're doing with AI dovetailing into that in ways that are that are that that are um, liberating and that kind of produce a kind of liberation for specifically for Black people um, in in a way that 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 feels like it, it's going to have it's going to have legs in life. Yeah, so I'm, I was I just left the conversation that you know to raise questions about the possibility for anything being different, uh, right? Given mm-hmm. the way that the social milieu was set up, right, in this kind of Western-oriented space. Right. Um, but I'm I'm also when I think about a future, right, I'm I'm just thinking about a different now, right? And me, uh, like for for me, right, the the post and the transhuman space. Um, for also dovetails with a process space. So they're kind of, again, thinking about this idea of becoming it, right? So like David Griffin uh, and, and Whitehead have this this idea around like pre, uh, prehension of selves. And so like each moment you become a different kind of being. And, and as a result, right, like you have the opportunity and the option, right, to kind of uh, vivify or bring, bring back to life the previous version of yourself, or you can live into this different version of it. And so when I think about the future, in many cases, I'm thinking about what does it mean to, to, uh, to craft out a particular plan or strategy or scaffolding or structure that is that is not here uh, but mm-hmm. can be measurable in increments of spatiality as we understand them now and so if you if you're saying all right we want to build this this technology cool do we have its components at the present no all right so what might what might we need to formulate that we need minerals you know we need these resources we need these things and so you go about the, the process of procuring those things and so now you have a, a, a different present with the possession of th- of these things but do you have the technology and the question would be, still be no or the answer to that question would be and so the, so the next step would be all right so well what would it take to place or reconfigure these particular elements in order to have the technology that you said? So now we have another kind of uh, lapse in spatiality. Uh, and as a result, whenever you do have this, and even as you go through the process of, of building and failing um, and rethinking, right, these are all different times or at least different uh, moments in, in space time uh, that would allow for something different to happen. So when we think about this for black people, I think for me, 
I wrote I wrote about this and and uh, and the critical black futures volume, right? This idea. So I was so so Ray Kurzweil is a famous futurist. He likes to talk about constants of like the era the era of exponential growth. And so somehow you know we have this linear growth that's been happening for eons, and then within the last two hundred years, and may, maybe even more so within the last thirty to fifty years, you've seen this exponentiation in terms of growth. But I'm thinking mathematically, and again, part of my you know, part of my framing is to is to is to uh, is to speculate beyond in order to become someone that people have to re- uh, respond to, especially when we talk about whiteness and building things. Yeah. And so, as a result, we think about this. And ter- I was thinking about this mathematically. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this term before: a power tower or tetration. And so, after, so you have you know addition, multiplication, exponentiation. But then, what comes next is tetration. And so, it, this is for me what I was thinking about in terms of the technology that manifests itself at the speed of thought. And so, you, as soon as you can imagine something. It comes into materiality and this to me Which is it's, like becoming it is becoming but it also it allows for kind of a wielding of a cosmos of sorts because yeah. now uh it would suggest there's three of us in this particular room if if we had a tetration era technology it would suggest that all of our imaginations would have to sink or destroy either us or the combination <laughs> of it simultaneously because our idea of the moon would then run into each other so right. it's three moons simultaneously crushing and then you know our vantage points and all that stuff and so i'm saying all this to suggest that the future is a multi is a is a is a is a multi is a multi-dimensional uh, space-time uh, convergence uh, that that starts from one space and can only be determined through. I, in some ways, I think uh, not not necessarily the accumulation of things, but the the form the the formation reconfiguration of what was into what may be. Yeah. So on this podcast, we I, I know that our listeners are like, what in the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, that's like, I oh, that's so cool. That just like blew a little hole out the yeah. side of my head. Yeah. <laughs> so I know on this podcast, we talk a lot about another possible world. Right. And my people come from the Zapotec people in Oaxaca. Okay. And um, I have been very inspired by the Zapatistas since I don't know how long. Right. Um. So revolutionary thought, uh, indigenous land ownership, you know, it's all about, it's all about um, who owns what mm-hmm. and how much do we compromise ourselves and what do we give up to, to be able to have. So, um, and we also think a lot about imagination right. on this podcast, which makes you a great fit to help us imagine another possible world. Okay. Now, um, we know that, or Anna knows more, that the church, uh, the institutional church, is uh, probably uh, will never get to technological advances that that other people are at. But but they are the hoarder of land and property, mm-hmm. and we know that people like me, so trans people, uh, other melanated folks are disadvantaged in land ownership. So if if land is this uh, piece of technology that is required to maybe accelerate a future, how can things like AI and a Black Futures Project help mitigate some of the disparity particularly around land? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I, 
I think I've just started kind of thinking about this in my just starting. I mean, like in the last maybe six months in terms of this land piece, not 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 that it was not important before, um, but I think that. So I'll tell you a story, right? So I was in Paris for uh, a panel on artificial intelligence and, and, and we were, you know, good times, cool. But you, when you go to the Europe um, and talk about AI, one of the things that they don't do is talk about race and gender and so on right. and so forth because, you know, apparently, you know, they're not biased, so they can't talk about it anymore. Right. So, they, you know, they're right. beyond this space. They're probably not biased. Yeah. Oh, to be so evolved. Yeah, right. <laughs> Those Parisians. <laughs> Yeah, but it, I think it's, you know, it's, it's also, I think it's part of a kind of a broader kind of EU kind of conversation mm -hmm. too, but, sure. I, but at the same time, right, I was on my way back and I was in, you know, in, in Iceland, Reykjavik uh, airport, and it's one in the morning, I'm taking pictures of the airport, it's a beautiful airport, if you've ever been, mm -hmm. and I'm getting, I get stopped by the security guard, hey man, let me see your boarding pass, I'm like, what are you talking about, man, I'm, I'm minding my business, I'm taking pictures, right. And so, you know, it, it, the question at that moment was, you know, where in the world are black people safe? Right. Um, and so this is where concepts of you know, what does it mean to make a black person? What does it mean to think about land specifically for black people? What does it mean to, to be able to, to engage in a diplomatic relationship you know, on the level of like the G7 and so on and so forth? But again, there's a, there's a large gap between what we have currently and something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think that... <sighs> in terms of uh, maybe moving towards something like this, uh, artificial intelligence plays its, plays its hand at, at what we've seen historically, especially in the last 20 years of like, of large kind of shifts in, um, in resources, right? So then what does it mean then, right, to create resources and to think about technological apparatuses that are not only like counter technologies to what exists, but, but technologies that allow for um, folks who have not historically been able to benefit uh, from the resource uh, kind of shifts and technology to be folks who are at the head of this. Right. And so mm -hmm. if you have access to resources and if you are part of a machine and an engine that continues to perpetually uh, create resources, then something along those lines could be, right, um, part of what it means then to think about land. But I think in, you know, in a more practical sense, maybe in the U.S., I think we've seen examples of folks, you know, who are kind of buying up large swaths of land, folks who are moving to certain parts of the country, and folks who are congregating uh, more specifically in this way. And so it's just, you know, in, in, in many cases, I think there's gonna be some type of convergence potentially, right, about what it means then for folks to be able to, to, to not only congregate in certain parts of the world or mm -hmm. certain parts even in the U.S., but to say that this is our space and, the, and, to, and to be not only involved as citizens, as people who live there, but to actually be you know, kind of, uh, but which, which is, I think, part of my pessimistic framing is that the difficulty of living in a space and then being seen as a citizen is not the same, right? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so you have to navigate that and then you have to navigate the municipalities and what does it mean to have people, you know, kind of like, you know, in, in, in judge spaces and clerkship, you know, gubernatorial spaces, mayoral, so on and so forth. And so I think there's a, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of, you know, particular structures that, you know, that would need to, to come in, come in, uh, come in tow in order for something like that to, to, to manifest. And so, yeah, we're, we got some work to do. Well, and think about a context like Denver, which has a really riddled history with land and indigeneity. Mm -hmm. Denver is also one of the more highly educated, more um, advanced degrees per capita mm. in Denver. And I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. Um, and, and I find many, when I, when I was here, I found many of the people of color were more invested in their executive status than being community with skin folk. Mm. And so, 
you know, so the context in which we're in are also deeply compromised by supremacy culture mm-hmm. being economic supremacy, mm-hmm. patriarchy and, mm-hmm. and white supremacy. And so, you know, what, you know, how do you, how do you steward community here and build futures here in this context? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, I mean, I think in, in, in many ways, it's, it's really just, a you know, so even taking back to this idea of like this executive status piece, right? I think this is, you know, where, where folks perform proximity to whiteness. Right, in many exactly. Ways, right. And so I think there's, there's, there's something to be said about what it means for people to, um, either exchange that or at the very least kind of navigate that differently. Cause I mean, there, there are folks that are going to be, there, there are going to be instances where folks need to be in positions of power and that's fine. At the same time, I think building these particular types of communities. And I, I don't like, I don't want to speak in like purely ethical terms of what folks ought to do, but I think, in, and we're also thinking, we're also considering the ways in which folks are intentional about the friends that they make, uh, the, the neighborhoods that they live in, where they choose to spend their dollars. Um, what does it mean then for them to be considering, right, the formation of, of, of kind of friend groups for their kids kind of intentionally, mm-hmm. right? But, and so what does it mean then, right, to make sure that the friends that your kids have not only look like them, but also like hold similar values? And then what does it mean to not, not in a churchy way, man, but but just in a way of like, what does it mean to, to provide uplift and build these right. children in ways that... Uh, create conditions for livability? Create conditions for livability, but I think there's an internalization of something that needs to take place in order for people to be able to sustain themselves in, in spaces that don't look like them and, right. and in spaces that... that that lift up other cultural modes of existence over the ones that they have at home. Mm-hmm. And so what does it mean then for, for to, to equip the children uh, with the necessary internalized tools uh, to say, you know, in class that, you know, this is probably not what happened historically, or to say that whatever you're saying is fine, but I know something different than me and my friends also recognize this as well. So be able to teach self-determination at home so that, so that we can self-determine in public and, and mitigate the false histories. Yes, and right. I think so. Uh, there's, I think there's a concept of identity that needs to take place, whether it be a cultural one or and and and, and I think, I think there's a layer of, of self identification that could be a bedrock that does not toil or 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 or, or trample upon uh, folks' ability to self identify in the more broader ways of how they understand themselves, be it, whether it be through you know through genders, class, so on and so forth. So what does it mean to have an underlying identity? But I think. In the churchy sense, right? They've had you know you're you're a child of God, but you know nobody knows what the fuck that means. Right. <laughs> but right. or at least they don't live in, so they don't believe. It. It's like if you if you really was a child of God, you probably be God too. But that's a whole nother conversation. Right. But nevertheless, like this, what does it mean to create this 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 not thin veneer, but this very like 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 you, if you get to the end of it, like this shit is not from the break bend or crack. And then mm-hmm. you you can build other things on top of that that allows for that 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 layer allows for the flexibility the fluidity of what they are becoming to be mm-hmm. that that still does not tamper with that and so I'm I'm wondering about what does it mean to make that uh, an element of, of who they are so that whatever they choose to be and however they move throughout the world is, is reinforced and continues to bounce back off of that thing mm-hmm. a kind of scaffolding if you will yeah, right yeah, yeah. that that is that is deeply um, 
I know you don't like ethics, but yeah, I don't. But a, but a, <laughs> but, a, but a scaffolding that is future oriented for self and other, and and grounded in community. Yeah. Also, I've also had a troublesome term with the concept of scaffolding. Because when you see scaffolds, they just seem flimsy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like these like thin, you know, kind of metal PVC things with like some old boards. Yeah. And so I'm, I've always been curious about a different kind of like term for that structure that seems a bit more like solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes me like. If I think that scaffolding in the U.S. is is flimsy, like I used to spend a lot of time in Asia, and like all that scaffolding is like made of really thin bamboo, and I know that bamboo is like one of the toughest materials in the world, but it is, I mean, it is like there, it's so thin and so scarce, and I I look at these men that are like fifty feet up on bamboo, and I'm like, you you are a you are a remarkable human, you have got all the guts in the world. Um, I digress. Uh, so oh. I'm I'm curious about um, the 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 project that you are engaged in right now at ILIF. Um, I think you know for for many of the folks that are listening to us, and even for myself as someone who is a graduate of ILIF, when I saw the announcement come through that um, ILIF was kind of starting a, a project that was you know kind of centered around and based in AI um, as a school of theology um, and that they were carving out, um, you know, a a set of resources and, and, and pouring into this work in a way that most theological schools and seminaries are not even, I mean, it's not even on the radar for, for, seminaries to to be looking at conversations around AI um, it, it both intrigued me and puzzled me a little sure um, tell tell people a little bit about what this project is um, and and how it came to be um, and what you think the outcomes may 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 be for sure. for the project that's, that's a interesting questions I mean so um, so the the eighty twenty project that we're doing right now, right? So the, is is our more more most current project, right? And what we're doing with that is we we split this up into computer vision, right? And, and uh, NLP. And I've talked a little bit about this kind of initially, right? And so like one of the things we want to do with the computer vision piece, right? We said it's self identified so teach machines how to see people the way they see themselves. Right. But we also want to create about data ownership, right? So what does it mean then for you to be able to own the data that you are that you are uh, contributing or that is kind of uh, you know kind of uh, ex- ex- excavated from your social profile, so on and so forth. Like people with Twitter right now trying to download all their data before Elon Musk takes it, right? <laughs> yeah, that too. And so, like, yeah. And, and then... There's uh, a whole other podcast. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a different episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so there's, 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 there's that piece, but then we also have this self... Um, um, this consent-based model, right? So we want people to opt in, and we also want people to have the ability to opt out. So, like, you know, say, say we say we make this this set, and we do want to work, or somebody, or, or Twitter does want this data set. You know, the Twitter would have to, you know, pay for it. And then if you don't, you know, fuck with Elon, Elon, then maybe you take your you take your data out of it, and he doesn't have access to that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, things of that nature. But I think again, this becomes part of a, a way of thinking about um, the the multi-billion-dollar <laughs> kind of industry that is data right now uh, some people say that data is labor some people say that um that data uh is uh is oil other folks say that data is cotton uh and so like the way that people are 
using their lives to produce information in a way that information is being kind of uptaked into a larger system that is you know, making specific people and companies a shit ton of money uh, where other folks are somehow just kind of enjoying the likes that they get on their pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's that piece, right? Uh, and we think that that has large implications, we hope uh, policy-wise in terms of what it means then to be part of a shared economy model where you know, you, you're a part of a, a platform and that platform is, is, is recognizing your contribution to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other piece, right, is this NLP piece. And so we want this. To, so part of what I think one of my one of my Can own. You tell folks what that acronym means. Yeah. So NLP, nat- uh, natural language processing. Thanks. And so this is where you have like text generation, text summary, um, sentiment analysis. Basically, it says like the most, the, one of the easiest like way to understand uh, sentiment analysis is like a movie review, whether or not somebody says a movie is good or not. Mm-hmm. And so like it should be able to determine whether or not this part, this review is a positive one or a negative one, right? And so uh, what we want to do is uh, is create one from black literature from the last hundred years. Uh, so this will be the first one. And so we want to create a data set that's based off black literature, whether it be music, books, theology, whatever, right? Uh, you know, black studies, all that jazz and put it together, you know, and, and then create a transformer, which a transformer is basically uh, a natural language processing model uh, that is that is trained on this data set. And so this becomes the first step because the next one we want to do is a Chicano one, right? And kind of so on and so forth. We want to bring culture and race into these spaces mm-hmm. and because uh, as of right now, it seems as though they are trying to put everyone together, but mm-hmm. but the everyone together and is the consolidation of power is whiteness. Right. But the consolidation of power is whiteness, but also the the data set is whiteness. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's it's a it's a it's a oh it's it's for everybody, but everybody that's white, and then everybody else has to come under this under this particular regime of, of power in this way. And, and so the guy's of whiteness. Exactly. Right. And so yeah, and so this this becomes a, a question of of what does it mean then? Especially when we start talking like because the, the implications, right? So we, we talk about digital cells. We're, we're talking about like uh, digital eternalities, right? Where people would then upload their consciousness into a you know a kind of a mainframe, right? You know, if, if you if any of you watch Black Mirror, this would be uh, the episode where uh, you had uh, the two women fall in love in the in the digital uh, kind of uh, afterlife, right? Right. And so you have this piece, but then you also have the other Black Mirror episode where like you bring a dead person back to life. Right. Well, we actually did that at Island. We brought James Cone back to life and Slyremarker and we right. had them had a conversation. Uh, so that was, that also was interesting. So what is, you know, so there are a lot of ethical questions but at the same time it's just like, so what does it mean then to, uh, uh, to resurrect someone in this digital medium, but but then the question also is that like, are you doing it based off their own culture? Mm-hmm. Are you doing that in relationship with the you know with the larger culture with the with the cultural whiteness? And so, I think it's important to bring race uh, to bring race and gender um, and culture into this into these digital future spaces because these people exist here and they ought to then also exist in these in these newer kind of more emergent spaces as well. Yeah. So why is why? Does the relationship between this project and a school of theology work? No, great question. So, I, so for those, that, I hope you, you know, folks are not thinking that we somehow have like this idea of what a god is, an idea of like you know. I mean, whatever. our listeners may have that but, idea, but, right. yeah, and that which is why I think it's good to caveat this, right? Like we're not kind of bringing a particular kind of Protestant ethic or Protestant framework into this. Right. The the main thing we're doing is we're using the critical framing that stems from our, the, the 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 theological training that we have. And so, what does it mean to have a a, a decolonial perspective? Um, 
a critical a critical perspective, right? An anti-colonial perspective. What does it mean to have a deconstructed perspective, or even a posthumanist perspective, and a black posthumanist perspective at that? To to raise questions about like, especially like if you're making technologies for quote unquote humans, and you're and you went through a traditional uh, kind of like canonical version of of the humanities, then you've read Kant, you've read Rousseau, you know, you've read uh, Hume, and you've read you know pretty much all those dead white dudes, and this is and those concepts of what a human is stem from these right. embedded notions right. and so this becomes the very thing that allows for the proliferation of the continue of the of of what we already have and so approaching approaching these projects from this critical theological space allows for us not only to unpack that but to recenter to recenter the not only the the users but recenter the technology in and of itself what does it mean to make technology that uh, that, that is grounded in and of itself right to to, to honor the tech uh, and then allow for the tech to, to be in a sustainable space so that you're not just creating like a panopticon not not that just is, that. that is that is a, essentially in service to surveillance yes so but that's sorry that leads us down a, a different road i think right because we're the type so if you're at all enamored with technology and where it's going then you also have to be of the mind or recognize at the very least that tech that privacy is some bullshit right and that whatever data you think you're giving away now in order to have the type of technology that runs at the speeds that we see on TV and beyond, you're going to need even more access to your data. And so, and this is part of why it's important to create these kind of um, uh, reciprocal relationships between the users, right, and the technologies, because ultimately there's going to be this this uh, this synchrony that you can't necessarily tell tether them apart from, right. from one another. Um, and so, to have that kind of speed, you're going to need to have that kind of access. And so, what does it mean to have that kind of access in ways that feel good to the people who are sharing their information right. yeah. that is consent driven and that is but is, then there are limits to consent con, con, who's consent and what culture of consent because consent consent in bdsm uh looks very different than the kind of consent that that folks are talking about here right i mean i i don't know i i um i i like to think that consent-based ethics or practices uh, maybe are not the best. Say more. Well, I'm just thinking about the the ways in which consent is constructed. Uh, your consent and my consent may look very different. So, so then on what basis is our relationality? If, if, if our consent is not in alignment, then then what do we base our relationality? In the same way with technology, if it's just an opt-in, that feels uh, opting into what, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I just, I I feel nervous about um, the totality of consent-based practices. Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think it should be a one size fits all. It's, it's opt in, it's also opt out, right? At any point, you should you 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 would be able to, you know, ideally, right, take yourself out. But the, also, the question is, you take you would take you would then take yourself out of the kind of like home database because if you've already been a part of databases that have sold it and you've made money right. off of it, then that question that's another question about about you know retracting the access at that point. Uh, simultaneously or similarly, right, uh, whatever differences in consent exist. I think that 
we can and should think about implementing them so that again people feel the best about how they are participating in this larger ecosystem right this is we're already a part of this digital and technological sociality in ways that we are directly aware of and many ways that we're not and so as a result i think and so this is where so like one of the things one of the terms we throw around at the institute is this idea of digital citizenry and so what does it mean then right part of being a citizen in a quote-unquote democratic space suggests that you are not only right someone who has rights and responsibilities but you're also an active element within the process of what it means to move towards something else uh, given where you currently are it's, but it's but this also places a larger onus and responsibility on the citizens who are data citizens so it's you you would then have the responsibility to know all right this is what's going on this month with your data this is what we're voting on in a town hall this is what it looks like for us to understand consent at this moment right do you have something to say about that well and, that's very different than the way consent is talked about in the larger realm right but this is what we're talking yeah. about and so and so your question is is, is an important one in terms of how do we delineate that and differentiate that from these larger spaces but also it, it raises questions about the what what other folks i think especially within the, the tech spaces that that lean towards speed is they don't trust you to actually do it like how many people are actually reading the, the terms conditions right. and right. privacy on a regular basis and so they probably should be given to you in chunks right uh but it doesn't happen that way or right. maybe there should be an explainer video who knows but at the very least if you're going to be a data citizen in this particular type of future then you're going to have to have a bit more buy-in also recognize that you're probably making a shit ton of money or at least not a, maybe not a shit ton you're making enough to maybe cover your rent or contribute to a larger communal commuter mm -hmm. communal fund that maybe makes the streets better mm -hmm. or you know uh maybe buys lights or something like that so I think this is all very helpful as we launch our app yes. around um, doing politicized theology in the ether. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots I mean, to think about. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one last question for you, Philip. Sure. Um, as you as you embark on this project and you um, I know that you see um, kind of you see parts of the end result or parts of what you hope will be um, the the result of this work. Um, what what also is next for you? What also are you working on that um, maybe apart from this 80-20 project that I, I mean I know you you have got your hands in a lot of things yeah. um, and you know you, you talked about the the app that you built um, what, what other kinds of work are you seeing on the horizon that that we can get excited about oh man that's well, well uh, <laughs> at the moment right I'm, I'm um, working on my second monograph on a, a, a black posthumanism, right? The tentative title is a still black posthuman, a theory of uncertainty and disorder. Um, and so uh, working on that one right now, uh, I think in, in many cases, I'm, I'm probably starting to get to the, the spot where I'm starting to, I guess, I don't say narrow down, but just become a bit more, uh, I guess, intentional about what I'm picking up and so really mm -hmm. kind of like focusing on seeker a bit more um and the, you know and I, I think uh I guess trying to work on some like healing spaces around like the the frameworks that seekers built on so we built seeker on uh internal family systems therapy uh narrative psychology and, and CBT or, or cognitive behavioral therapy and so thinking about like the various ways we can facilitate um you know uh maybe like you know healing circles or something like that mm -hmm. to uh to help people you know through this right because I think part of um, I think part of what we experience on a, on a you know regular regular basis is people who are who are alienated from themselves and, then, mm -hmm. and therefore you know kind of disempowered or not necessarily sure how to engage in self determination. Right. And so um, I think. Well, just uh, 
just to comment on that, yeah. I think that, I mean, it just reminds me of my own story of wanting to embrace myself, but not having the social support to do so. Right, right, right. And having, and, ha and, and really suffering because sure. of that. Yeah. And what if I had this app and I could have self-determined a lot earlier? Right. And so I, I just, I'm just thinking about myself, like, I could have not suffered as much. Maybe. I, I, I say maybe because, right, you know, Seeger, I think it's a, it's a definitely a good uh, resource. It's also still new, right? So there's a lot of things that we're still, you know, working to augment and, and make better and make sure that, you know, the conversation feels organic to people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I think if you, I think one thing I always try to I try to, to emphasize with Seeker is, is that it's not like talk therapy. You're not, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're not very much so going to come in and just like yell at the world and stuff like that. Right. Because they, it, it's, it's going to give you space to vent. But then it's going to point the questions back to you, right? And so, uh, you know, kind of one of our premises is that you have all the answers already, right? And so it's just a matter of like giving you space to really to really engage in that self exploration, yeah. And so trust the questions if you yeah. do if you do decide to download it and hang out. Like I'm going to check it out. Yeah, that's yeah. so great, yeah. Philip. I can't thank you enough for saying yes to yeah, joining sure. us. Yeah. Um, I I know that I mean I am. If 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 nothing else happens after AAR, um, I am leaving this space like more committed to understanding, uh, not just the role that I am playing in my own um, in in the the data collection that's happening about me, but also um, where I am where where i i want my you know where where i want to be involved and sure. how i want um to be engaged in that and i'm i'm grateful that your um that your commitment to the project um for your people um is as robust as it is it's important and um folks like me don't need help um we don't i mean everything's built for us already mm. and so um I just I remain grateful that 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 this is the work that you're doing. Oh, sure. No, thanks for the, it's, a, it's a pretty cool conversation. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being a part of it. Sure. Um, friends, we will see you again next week on the Activist Theology podcast. Take care. We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to ActivistTheology.com and click on podcast. We can only do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty. You are listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.